All right, so how are we doing? Everybody good? Yeah? Glad you guys came tonight. We didn't exactly know who was going to turn out, but you guys thought it was cooler to be here than trick-or-treating with your, I don't know, who, whoever you trick-or-treat with, grandma. Um, so some nice costumes in, in the audience, which is cool. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, how many of you guys, I w- I'm not going to ask about show of hands, but may- hopefully some of you guys are, this is your first time ever at Reckless. Um, so, and, and now they're hugging. That's so sweet in front of everybody. Um, so we're glad that you guys are, are in the room tonight. So in just a few minutes, we're going to go outside. We've got a Quiet Place movie that we'll watch. If you guys, any Braves fans in the audience? Why did I ask that? So we'll watch the, uh, we'll, we'll have that on in the atrium in a little bit. Watch the Astros uh, at least win game five is the hope. Um, I've been praying all day for that because I don't know what it would be like to live in, Atl- in Atlanta as a Mets fan. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things of like having to uproot our family, move to a different city. Like, do you guys want that? Or that? No, come on. Sure. <laughs> she said, sure. Sure, yeah, get out. Go find another city. So maybe this is your, your first time at Reckless. And so I wanted to take a, just a minute or two just to kind of tell you about us a little bit and what we're doing tonight and and more than anything else, just kind of like a, a little bit of a bigger picture. So there are some things that we want to make you guys aware of, whether this is your first time or you're here every week. Um, we do have, we're in the middle of a series that we've been in called Let's Talk About It. And the idea behind this series is like just talking about random topics and not so much random, but more like hot button topics, things that a lot of times the church as a whole shies away from. And it's kind of like, man, you don't really talk about that. So last week we talked about politics, which was fun. How many of you guys were here last week? All right. Um, hopefully it didn't, didn't get too divisive in your small group when you guys were talking about politics and stuff like that. So hopefully there were some good conversations and you guys ended it well and, and showed really, I think, maybe even older generations like myself that you actually can disagree and yet still have a rational conversation and still like each other and and even if you agree to disagree, you can still be cordial towards each other. So that was last week. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about other hot topic issues like sexuality. We're going to talk about uh, pornography. We're going to talk about anxiety and depression. We're going to do a thing on social media. So really just to kind of help your generation know like, hey, how do we navigate through some of these topics? What, what is it that we should believe as, as followers of Jesus? And what should that look like? So... I want to take just a couple of minutes and talk to you about another topic, all right, that honestly just fits perfectly in with Halloween. It's the perfect night to talk about this topic, and I'm talking about the topic of hell, right? Who doesn't want to talk about hell on Halloween? I see those hands. Yes, you do. You do want to talk about them. So, so, I, so I don't know how, how often you think about hell. That's not something that you think about every day, man, like, you wake up and you're like, man, hell must suck. That, that would be a pretty crappy thing. Um, but if we ever think about hell, especially in our culture, the picture sometimes we have of hell is a devil and a pitchfork and some fire, right? We think sometimes like a guy like this. And maybe he's kind of harmless. Like, I mean, really, is he really going to do much? Maybe he's a little bit evil or a little bit mysterious, kind of like, you know, a guy with an afro and weird looking clothes on. But like, is he really that dangerous? Is he really evil? And 
Typically, that's kind of how we think when we think of hell, or we use hell as a slang word to describe a bad day, or you know what somebody may look like, or what we will tell where where to go, somebody that we disagree with, or whatever, right? So we that's a word that we kind of toss out in our culture, um, or it's more thought of as just like a fairy tale place where there might be a little bit of evil. It might be somewhat related to evil people, and when it comes to like scary Halloween movies, Halloween horror movies like what are out in our culture even now, that's typically what we think about, right? So I don't know if you've seen any of these movies. Honestly, as I was writing them down, I was like, man, I hope some of them haven't seen this or maybe even all of them. But you've got, the, you've got Michael Myers, right? Um, you've got the Halloween, the whole entire series, and now there's a new one that's out. And the character Michael Myers is a, he's cursed. He's possessed by demonic power. And he's said to be so evil that hell itself won't accept him. That's pretty bad. So that's Michael Myers. Then there's Jason from Friday the 13th, right? Ski mask, if you don't know who that is. And the idea behind Jason is that he comes back from the dead. He's considered immortal. And during one movie, he travels to hell in order to resurrect himself. Yeah, that's interesting. Then there's a guy like Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. That was the kind of the movie that when I was growing up that I was scared to watch. And the whole idea with Freddy Krueger is he's the spirit of a serial killer that returns from hell to kill kids in their dreams. So that's the whole premise of like the whole Freddy Krueger stuff. So he kills you in your dreams and then because he kills you in a dream, you actually die in real life. So that's kind of the whole idea, but he, he's like a resurrected, you know, serial killer from hell. So those are kind of some of, in our culture, like hell is thought of as an evil place where only the worst people are sent. And that's kind of the general idea behind hell in our culture. So I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about like, what is the truth about hell? Um, is it real? Is it just make-believe? Could a loving God really send people to a place called hell? And if hell is real, is there a way to escape it? Is there a way to avoid it? Now, for centuries, people have had this general belief that good people, when they die, they go to heaven. And then bad people, when they die, they go to hell, right? And that's just kind of, but it's, it's like vague and how do you know whether they're good or bad? And it's just, it's subjective and it's all based on how, you know, each individual feels. There are other religions, other world religions, not just Christianity that actually preach or talk about uh, some form or some concept of a place called hell. And there are a lot of Americans today that still believe in a literal hell, but I don't know if you guys know this, especially with your generation, that it's becoming increasingly um, more likely that people don't believe in that at all in terms of there's a literal hell. So it's, and let's face it, like it's a whole lot easier not to believe in something like that than it is to believe it, right? It's a, it's a whole lot more convenient for any of us to say, I, don't, I just don't believe that. I don't think that that's true or that's a real place. That's just a made up thing to scare people or whatever. And it's easier because if, if hell doesn't exist, then we don't have to worry about how we live. We don't have to worry about the danger of ever being sent there or experiencing that in our own life. Plus, I think all of us want to believe in a God, a loving God, that would never send somebody to hell forever. Like we all, all want to believe in a God who would forgive, who's quick to forgive, who's loving, and who would much rather forgive somebody than ever send them into a place especially if it is like some of the things that we think about. And we think Jesus probably is a loving guy. 
So he probably didn't really even talk about hell all that much anyway, right? But the truth is Jesus talked a lot about hell. He refers quite a bit to hell in some of his teaching. He talks about hell or the idea of hell more than anybody else in the Bible. And it's the words of Jesus that have helped us really understand a lot of the things that we know and, and believe about what hell is like. So here's, here's just a few examples. In Luke 16, he shares a parable of the rich man and Lazarus and how the rich man is in torment in hell with no way to get out. He says in Matthew 10, 28, he says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In Matthew 13, he says, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then there's one other time in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus is talking about people that do his will. And he says, anyone who doesn't do his will will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So the reality is that Jesus, he talks a lot about hell. And maybe in some ways it kind of lines up with what our cultural idea is about hell, but in some ways maybe it's a lot different. But it's, it's interesting and weird that Jesus talks about hell much more vividly than he talks about heaven. And that's odd to me. Like, why is it that Jesus would choose to talk more about hell and more vividly than he would about heaven? And the reason is, is because that's the reason why he came. He came to prevent any of us from actually experiencing it for ourselves. Now, I, I wanna stop right here and just say, the goal of tonight is not some kind of bait and switch, okay? To get you into the room with a haunted woods and dress up and then all of a sudden we're like, you're going to hell, all right? That's not the goal and the purpose tonight, all right? The idea is not to scare any of you guys or to get you in a place where you're like, I thought this was gonna be a Halloween party and now he's talking about hell. But we do wanna take just a few minutes to share something with you. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you never have. And we never wanna assume that any of you in the room have heard this before. And it's such great news for all of us that we don't want a night like this to go by without at least us taking a moment to be able to share that with you. So I just wanna take a few minutes and share this with you and just speak some encouragement to you and then we'll move on to the rest of the night and, and a lot of the fun. Um, I want you to understand, first of all, that hell was not created by God as a place to send bad people. All right, hell actually, what the Bible talks about is that the hell was created for Satan and his demons. It actually was a place that was created after Satan betrayed and rebelled against God as a place to send Satan and his demons that also betrayed God. So back before, if you're familiar, maybe you're not with the beginning of the story, like before, like even the very beginning of creation, it was good and God made everything. And yet Satan, who was a good angel and he lived and existed and was created by God to be good. And yet he rebelled against God. He wanted to replace God. He wanted to take the place of God on the throne and, and be ruler and reigner of all creation. And so he rebelled against God to try to overthrow God. And so as 
a result of that, God kicked him out of heaven and created hell as a place for Satan to be without the presence of God. And that really is the essence of hell. It is a place that is absence of the presence and the love of God. But what I want you to understand tonight, whether you've heard it before or not, is that you and I were created for God's presence and for God's love to be experienced in a relationship with God, our creator. That's what you and I were made for. And it's the purpose that we were created for. It's why we're on this planet. And yet, just like Satan, you and I rebelled against God. We do that every single day where in some form or fashion, and we're really good at that, and we don't really have to try all that hard to say, you know what? I wanna do what I wanna do. I wanna follow my feelings. I wanna follow the culture. I wanna follow what I want in this moment. And I don't really care any kind of outward authority called God in my life. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he wants. I don't care what he thinks. I wanna do what I wanna do, and he can either accept it or not, but I'm gonna do what I want. And we're really good at that. And it may be very adamant like that. And it may be a little bit more subtle, but we're all really good as human beings of rebelling against God and going our own way. And the result of that is sin. It is separation from God. And the result of that is that sin has created a divide between us and God and made that relationship with him impossible. And so even though we were created for a relationship with God, that sin has gotten in the way, that rebellion, and has made it impossible to experience the thing that you and I were made for. And so if there was nothing that was done, then you and I would would be lost in our sin. We'd be lost forever unless someone or something was done to fix that. And so Jesus stepped in. And Jesus stepped into our mess and he gave up his life for you and for me because of the sin that was in the way that kept that that relationship from taking place. He gave up his life for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God, so that we could experience life and forgiveness and freedom with Jesus as our king. Here's what Romans 5 says. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So what, those verses is saying is that we were sinners. We were separated from God. And yet God loved us enough that Jesus stepped in to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven and made right with God so that we could have life. And so Jesus did that. He gave up his life for us. And Jesus was so, when you come back to the whole idea of hell, Jesus was so intent on keeping us out of hell that he actually gave up his life for us, was crucified on the cross and actually took the keys of sin and death and and conquered those things when he rose from the dead so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I didn't experience an eternity away from the God that we were created to know and love. Here's what Matthew chapter seven talks about. And this is Jesus. One more thing that Jesus says. He, He 
kind of paints two paths. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So Jesus says, look, there are, there are two paths. There's what we call the narrow road and the narrow gate. And then there's the wide road and this wide path, this wide gate. And there's a lot of people on this wide road. In fact, it's, hell is not just reserved for the really bad people. What Jesus is saying here is that that's all of our destination. That's by default, just by us being alive on this planet, we are automatically on that road that leads to destruction. And we don't even have to try all that hard. We naturally, that's our default destination. And Jesus says there are many who are on that, on that road. But here's the thing I want you to understand. We don't have to be. We don't have to stay on that road. Instead, we are given a choice to either accept Jesus and a relationship with him or to reject him. Jesus actually says that wide is the road for the many people who choose that. It's interesting that Jesus uses that word choice because I think what Jesus wants us to understand tonight is that nobody is sent to hell because God is mean or God is angry or God is a mean, unloving God. People choose hell. That's what Jesus is saying. That answers that question. Why would a loving God send people to hell? Because God doesn't send anyone to hell. Hell is a choice for all of us. Jesus loved all of us enough that he gave up his life for us and wants us to have that moment or that opportunity to be able to accept salvation and be forgiven. But if people are given an opportunity to be made right with God and experience purpose and worth in him and instead choose to reject it, then in the end, they are given exactly what they want, an eternity without him. In fact, here's what C.S. Lewis, the popular Christian author says, wrote Chronicles of Narnia and some, a ton of other books. He says, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say, thy will be done, talking to God, or those to whom God in the end says, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, it wouldn't be hell. So for all of us, again, this is not some bait and switch. I'm not trying to scare you into anything, but really just to take a moment to say, you are loved by God. It's not God's anger or God's unloving attitude towards human beings. It really is more about God's love for us, that all of us were on the road that leads to destruction. And if God did nothing, then that would be the end result. And yet because of God's love for all of us, he sent his own son to become our sin so that you and I could be forgiven and have a way off of that wide road that leads to destruction. And so the opportunity for all of us tonight is, is to make that choice. Most people, especially here in America, because we're around people all the time, there's churches on every corner. I don't know how many chances or opportunities the average person is given. You may have heard the message of God's love before and maybe you've chosen to reject it, but there may be hundreds, even thousands of time, times in your lifetime that people may be given the opportunity to hear about God's love 
in some parts of the world, they've never heard the gospel. They've never heard this message and their, their chances or opportunities may be very few. But for you sitting here tonight, like this is one of those opportunities to be able to know that there is a God who loves you, who made a way for you to know him. That's your purpose and why you're on this planet. And he paid the price for that to take place with his own life. That that's how much he loved you. And so if you've never come to a place in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, we'd love to give you that moment and opportunity tonight. And I'm not gonna invite you forward or take a knee or any of that kind of stuff, but just right where you are, just to think in your own mind, have I ever come to a place in my life where I've admitted my sin and my need for God to be forgiven and taken advantage of that opportunity, not just to to be scared to go to hell, but to know that you were made for a purpose. You were created for love and for the presence of God in your life. And it is possible for you to know and to walk closely with the one who made you. And so if you've never taken that step tonight, we'd love to talk to you more about what that looks like. You can take that step right now where you stand or where you sit. Um, At some point in the night, you can find me, another adult, another leader, maybe your friend who brought you and just talk a little bit more about, hey, what would that look like? But I just wanna pray over you guys tonight as we close out and, um, and just pray that you would understand that God loves you, that hell is not, does not exist because there's an unloving God that loves to send people to hell, but rather Jesus gave up his life for you so that you could be forgiven and set free and be given a new, a new life and a new path. So let me pray for us and then we'll keep going. God, thank you for your love for us tonight. I thank you, God, for the students who are here um, God, I know this may in, in the span of kind of this whole service, especially for students who have never been in a, in a place like Reckless before, that this feels weird and like, why are we talking about this tonight? Well, God, I pray in the midst of all the fun and all of the things that we're gonna do over the course of the night, God, that they may just understand the truth of your love for them. God, why we exist as a church is to help people understand that you love them and you gave up your life for them and you've created them to know you and to walk closely with you. And so God, I pray if there are students in the room tonight who have never taken that step, put their faith and trust in you. God, that right where they sit, that they would admit their sin and their need for you, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sin and to come into their life and to make them a new creation and to put their life on the path that leads to life and leads to you. And God, I pray that you would allow us to come alongside students who may need to take that step and to to learn a little bit more about who you are and your love for them. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.